Welcome to the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman, where Jerry reads a chapter from the New Testament and gives us key insights and life applications along the way. For more information about the Solid Life Journal and reading plans, visit solidlives.com. And now, let's get into today's reading. Okay, here we go. Jesus has been crucified in the last chapter, and so now we're going to see him raised from the dead. Mark chapter 16. Now, when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome, or Salome, brought spices that they might come and anoint him very early in the morning on the first day of the week. So this is unquestionably Sunday. Very early in the morning on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. And they said among themselves, Who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? But when they looked up, they saw the stone had been rolled away, for it was very large. So this is no little stone that, you know, the three of them, that they could roll it away themselves. They said, we need somebody, you know, somebody very strong to do this. So it says the stone was very large, verse 5, and entering the tomb, they saw a young man. Now notice, the stone's already rolled away. They entered the tomb, and they saw a young man clothed in a long white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. Isn't that a great gospel that this angel is preaching to this woman? He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him? But go tell his disciples and Peter. Isn't that interesting? Peter once again is singled out. But it's, it almost reads as if Peter was not a disciple anymore. And, uh, but it says, go tell his disciples and Peter that he, Jesus, is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him, as he said to you. Because Jesus had already said that he was going to meet them in Galilee. So... They went out quickly and fled from the tomb, for they trembled and were amazed. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Now when he rose early on the first day, talking about Jesus, when he he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven demons. So notice the very first person Jesus appeared to was Mary Magdalene. She went and told those who had been with him. I want you to notice now that these ladies came to the tomb early, and this angel shares with them. But then Mary Magdalene saw Jesus, and she she went, and of course she had been there earlier, but she saw Jesus, the very first people to preach the gospel after the resurrection were all women. Now, why am I pointing that out? Because some people try to take a a verse or two from the New Testament to say, yeah, women, they're not going to be teachers or preachers or have any ministry leadership and such. But when you look at the whole of Scripture and even the whole of the New Testament, you find out that's not true. That's not true. Jesus appeared first to Mary Magdalene, who used to be demon-possessed with seven demons. And the angel first told these women who came to the tomb, hey, go tell the disciples. So it was really these women who preached the gospel first that Jesus was raised from the the dead to the disciples. And so 
Uh, is God against women bringing the gospel, teaching, declaring, uh, informing? Absolutely not. And of course, when you get to the day of Pentecost, 50 days after Passover, then Peter stands up and says, hey, what you're seeing right here, this outpouring of the Holy Spirit, this is what the prophet Joel taught about, where he said, in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Sons and daughters will prophesy. Old men, young men, maid servants, men servants. In other words, young, old, male, female, all socioeconomic classes of people. When the Holy Spirit comes, he'll be no respecter of persons. He'll show no partiality. The the Holy Spirit will empower whomever, whatever age, whatever of the two genders there are. And so it's just important when we hit these kinds of things that we see in the Bible that these things exist. Because Paul said, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. So notice that it was ordained by God. It seems obvious that women were the first ones to preach the gospel of Jesus after the resurrection of the dead, even to the 11 disciples, uh, who were the 11 other than Judas, of course. So let's pick it up now in verse 10. She went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. And when they heard that, that he was alive and had been seen by her, they did not believe she's preaching that she's telling them, I saw him. He talked to me. They didn't believe it. Verse 12, after that, he appeared in another form. That's very interesting, isn't it? Well, uh, in one of the other Gospels, uh, Jesus, when he appeared to Mary Magdalene, he said to her, don't cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. It seems evident to me that Jesus needed to first go and sprinkle the blood on the holy altar in heaven to completely, uh, with the blood of Jesus, sanctify everything. Us, sin, the altar, everything from heaven, because the sin of man compromised this whole relationship with God. And he went and sprinkled the blood before God. And then it says he came, he appeared in another form. It's very interesting, in another form. And so, notice this. It says, uh, verse 12, After that he appeared in another form to two of them as they walked and went into the country. And they went and told it to the rest, but they did not believe them either. Later he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table, and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart. Listen to this. He rebuked the eleven disciples. This is all twelve except for Judas. He rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him. That would include Mary Magdalene. He's rebuking the eleven. Why didn't you believe her? Don't you tell me Jesus is not validating women ministering, preaching the gospel and such. He's rebuking them for not believing those who uh, reported to them, including Mary Magdalene. And he said to them, listen, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So in this same conversation, Jesus is rebuking the 11 for not believing and turns right around and said, now go into all the world and preach the gospel. Well, you can see right there that they're not disqualified from going out and preaching the gospel because they disbelieved, because Jesus is rebuking them for their unbelief and then turning right around and commissioning them. So thank God if there's hope for them, there's hope for us 
as well. So here's the Great Commission, verse 15. And he said to them, go into all the world. Notice, God doesn't want anybody to be left out. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Boy, that's exhaustive, isn't it? I don't mean exhausting. I mean exhaustive in the, in the sense that Jesus is saying, make sure every human being on the face of the entire earth hears the good news that a loving God in heaven, though we've been separated from him by our sin, has sent his only son to die for us and has raised him from the dead that we might have relationship with God, be restored, be forgiven and such. Go preach the gospel to every creature. Verse 16, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. Now notice, some people would take this to mean, oh, you have to be baptized in water. If you're not baptized in water, you cannot be saved. But notice, he who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Notice it doesn't say who who's, he who's not baptized. It says he who does not believe will be condemned. Well, but it does include baptism. So this tells us something. If you really believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you should be believing to the point of obedience. And the first thing that Jesus tells new believers to do is, okay, you believe, come be baptized in water as a testimony, as a message to all the onlookers that you've gone from death to life. You've gone from a life of sin to a life of obedience in the Lord. And so the water really represents the ground. And so when you get baptized and we put you down under the water, just briefly, well, that's, that's you doing a little drama as if the old life of sin is dead. And you're saying, bury that guy. He's dead. He's not coming back up. And we put you down the water, bring you right back up. And this is the part of the drama that says, I am a new person. I've been raised from the deadness of sin to live a brand new life with the Lord. And when you feel that water washing over you, that's God wanting you to feel on the outside what happened on the inside. He washed all of your sin away. And so Jesus wants us to take that first step of obedience to be baptized as a testimony to other people saying, I stand for the Lord Jesus Christ. I am a follower. I am a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then that, of course, can send a message to other people and perpetuate the gospel of Jesus and salvation to others. So once again, verse 16, he who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. So it validates the importance of water baptism, but the latter part of that verse clarifies that it's not the baptism in water that saves you, it's the faith in Jesus that saves you. Verse 17, and these signs will follow those who believe. So notice, Go preach the gospel, and he who believes and is baptized will be saved, and these signs will follow those who believe. What's interesting here is Jesus is not even saying to the 11 disciples or those gathered there in that room where he was talking to them or that place where he's talking to them. He's not even saying these signs will follow you. He said, go preach the gospel to every creature, and those who believe will be saved, and these signs will follow them. Well, of course, we know that miracles and signs and wonders happen through the apostles. That's, you know, documented in the book of Acts. But Jesus is saying, no, it's not limited to you. These signs will follow those who believe you. 
Isn't that powerful? See, lest anybody get the idea that the signs and wonders ceased with the apostles. Uh, that's, that's a false narrative. It's an it's a incorrect interpretation of Scripture. Every believer in Jesus can have these signs following them. And what are they? Jesus said, And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. Every believer in Jesus Christ has the authority in the name of Jesus to cast out demonic spirits and Satan himself. How do we know that? Because James 4, 7 says, Submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And so it says, In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. So this is meaning new languages. And of course, we see very clearly in Acts chapter 2 what this means. The Holy Spirit gives an empowerment to be able to speak in new languages. And why is this important? Well, it comes into tongues and interpretation in the 12th chapter of uh, 1 Corinthians and, of course, explained much in the 14th chapter as well. So there's uh, the tongue, tongue, which is one of the nine manifestations of the Spirit, and the interpretation of tongues, which is another of the nine manifestations of the Spirit. Uh, but nonetheless, there's also just praying in spiritual language. You remember Jude, uh, there's only one chapter of Jude, Jude, verse 20, it says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. And so while you pray in tongues, which every believer can do when they're filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit empowers them to do it, even if their mind is having trouble with the idea and sort of cutting it off at the throat. They do have the empowerment to do it. And when you pray in other tongues or pray in the Holy Spirit, it charges your battery, so to speak. It builds you up. It helps you to be refilled with the Holy Spirit. And so he's, Jesus said, this is just one of the signs of those who believe. These signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up or remove serpents. This is not talking about playing with snakes or doing snake handling as some religious ceremony. No, this is saying if you had to remove a snake, uh, then you would be able to do it without harm, that by the power of God, you would be able to not be hurt or bit by a snake. And you remember, really, we saw this in the last chapter of the book of Acts, when Paul gathering a bundle of sticks and throwing them in the fire, well, there was a snake, a viper, that came out of the stack of wood that he was uh, holding and throwing in the fire and latched onto his hand, and it was a deadly snake. In fact, the locals thought he was going to swell up and die. But when they saw that there was no harm, then they, they said, he's a god. Because that, they knew that to be a venomous, deadly snake. See? Well, what happened? This went into action. <laughs> That's one of the signs. See, Paul wasn't trying to do something with a snake. No, it just happened. But Paul just shook it off of his hand <laughs> into the fire and suffered no harm. This is exactly what Jesus is saying. That was a supernatural sign. And of course, the people from that island got saved because of seeing the power of God on Paul. So exactly what Jesus said, we saw in the 20th chapter of Acts. Okay, so they'll take up or remove serpents. If they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. This is not talking about somebody intentionally trying to commit suicide drinking poison. But if, it's talking about by chance, if they accidentally drank something deadly, it will by no means hurt them. 
Other people may drink the same thing and die. But the believer, this is supposed to be something we walk in by the power of God. It won't hurt us. I prayed that particular prayer over people that were going through chemotherapy and they were concerned about the side effects or other medication. And, and I, I would say, let's, let's pray this. This is one of the signs. Let's pray that it will not hurt you. If they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. And then the last of the signs, they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. They will lay hands on the sick and the sick will recover. <laughs> Isn't that powerful? Jesus said, yeah, these signs will follow those who believe. Well, what's interesting is, you know, when it says they will cast out demons, well, are only a few believers able to cast out demons or can any believer in Jesus' name cast out demons? Well, everybody. Well, what about the serpents if they have to do that? Well, that would be anybody. Well, what about if they accidentally drink something deadly? Is that only a few believers that have that ability to be immune or to be preserved? No, it's everybody. Well, what about the laying hands on the sick? Well, it's clear that all these signs are something that Jesus was saying, these signs will follow those who believe, anybody. Well, if that's true, then this one that says they'll speak with new tongues, that's not just for some and not others. No, Jesus said, these signs will follow those who believe. That means the fullness of the Spirit and even spiritual language, prayer language, is for everybody and not just a select few. All right, the last two verses now. So then, after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And I love this 20th verse, the last verse in the book of Mark. And they, talking about the followers of Jesus there, which would include the 11, and they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Amen. So notice, they went and preached, but Jesus, though seated at the right hand of the Father, was working with them, and he was confirming the word that they preached with the accompanying signs. So Jesus didn't want them to merely preach a message. He wanted them to demonstrate with the power of God. Well, that's corroborated in Acts chapter 2 and 3 and 4, where the signs are following the apostles and uh, corroborating or validating the message that they preach. And uh, we also see this from Paul's writings where he was talking to the Corinthians and he said, hey, I don't come to you with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and power that your faith may not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So God wants us as believers not to live just like normal human beings, but just with a Christian sticker or a title that oh, I'm a Christian. No, we have God with us. So we can pray for people and get results and have things change. And God wants us to do this. So Father, I pray today that we would be among those who are preaching the gospel uh, along, uh, in this world, helping to bring the gospel to the entire world. And Lord, help us to do it with these signs so that people can not only hear, but they can also see evidence of a real and powerful God. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, I look forward to tomorrow getting into another book of the New Testament. Thank you for joining us for the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman. And thank you to those of you who have partnered with Solid Lives to help get this daily podcast and other resources like it to thousands of people around the world. 
If you would like to partner with Solid Lives, visit solidlives.com give. To find out more about the ministry of Solid Lives, how you can be a part of this church planting and disciple making movement, or for more great teachings and resources by Jerry, visit solidlives.com. We also want to invite you to check out Jerry's other podcast called The Jerry Dearman Podcast. Here, Jerry shares with us at least weekly from God's Word, challenging us and equipping us to fulfill the amazing plan that God has for our lives. You can find links to this podcast as well as Jerry's YouTube channel online at solidlives.com. Thank you again so much for joining us, and we'll see you right here tomorrow as we jump into the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman.